Before we jump into today's episode, we want to talk to you about Internet Church. Rich, what is Internet Church? Oh, it's only the best internet gathering this side of the Kailua River. Is the Kailua River a thing? Maybe we should start over. <laughs> let's let's do it again. Ask me again. <laughs> no, let's leave it in. Now no, no, let's talk about Internet Church. Uh, internet Church. Actually, it's a thing we do every other Friday night where we all gather together, uh, encourage the saints in truth. It's uplifting. It's edifying. It's just a time to gather for about an hour on a Friday night or day, depending what part of the world you're in, just to be encouraged by the saints. You you think you would like something like that? Is the Pope Catholic? Uh, you bet your sweet bippy the Pope is Catholic. And uh, Justin, Internet Church is all about gospel freedom. It's good. I'm trying to think of the follow-up question. <laughs> oh, I'm like, man, this thing is lagging. Uh, all right. If No. Absolutely love it. So if you were going to... No. What are we going for? Are we trying to be funny or are we trying to be serious? I don't know. I I mean, whatever. I, we're trying to let people know that... Oh, <laughs> I'm not as gifted as you are in this department, my friend. So join us every other Friday night, 8 o'clock Central, 6 o'clock Pacific, 9 o'clock Eastern. If you are international and want to add that to your calendar so you don't have to do all the time conversions, head on over to lovereality.org slash circles and add the Internet Church Circle to your calendar. So we're going from a particular type of slavery. Mm -hmm. Paul's leading us somewhere. Yeah. Welcome to The Move, where we're vibing with the book 10 minutes at a time. The next 10 minutes, we're talking about Romans chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. Did you read it? I read it. Did you read it? Did you guys read it? Go read it. It's a good passage. Yeah, we'll wait right here. Yeah, just go ahead and put pause. We'll be right here. And yeah. And we're back. Let's do it. Hopefully you enjoyed that. As you know, we're going to go through 10 minutes, so let's start the timer. Three, yeah. two, one. Go. Go. You first. Oh, well, uh, first thoughts on the book. What'd you think? Uh, the first seven, just rich, rich, rich. And from what I could gather, like we were talking, if we had to frame it, I would say it's a from that to this. From that to this. Yes. There's a specific move that we see Paul doing in this passage. Mm -hmm. And for me, if I had to, to pick the one word that jumped out to me mm -hmm. the most that kind of encapsulates this is this idea of slavery. Mm -hmm. This is something that we see over and over in the book. Mm -hmm. Old and New Testaments, mm -hmm. and it's a, it's a very interesting statement. Joshua and Amos were calling themselves slaves of God, but mm -hmm. when Paul does it, it's very unique mm -hmm. because Paul's a Roman citizen, mm -hmm. and uh, that's not something that they would be open to. No, within the Roman context, to be a slave is to be a second, third-class citizen. Now, it's not to be confused with, like, American chattel slavery, right? Yeah indentured slavery, indentured servitude in the Roman system, there was still some sort of economic freedom. You can have some money. Yep. You could get married. Yep. Right? You had some movement, but it was always under the authority of some sort of master and or lord. Right. So it's not like you didn't get to eat. You were beat all the time. No. You, you enjoyed certain privileges, should we say, yeah. but it, again, always under the permission of the lord. And it was this idea that you would work in an estate— and then within the estate, you just did your role. You did what 
your role was, what the master told you to do. And then within the confines of your role and position, you had certain liberties as well. You could marry, like I said, money, this and that, come and go. But you had to take care of what you had to take care of as a second-class citizen. So we're going from a particular type of slavery. Mm -hmm. Perhaps we could look forward to the book, this slavery to sin, slavery to the law, we could even say. And And we're trying to get at Paul's leading us somewhere. Yeah. And so this language that you pointed out, that he set apart, right? Mm -hmm. And you have this idea of him being set apart from something for something or to something. Yeah, it's interesting. That that set apart, there's there's a call back to what Paul used to be. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Pharisees, which he used to be, you were familiar. He's, I was a Pharisee Mm -hmm. of the Pharisees. You know, I was this and that. And he's listing his credentials. Mm -hmm. A Pharisee was someone who was set apart Mm -hmm. For something specific, set mm-hmm. apart for the law. Mm-hmm. And you were describing there, there's this kind of this corralling yeah, picture. Yeah, it's like herding cats or kindergartners, right? <laughs> like the law was meant to organize people around something, right? Mm-hmm. For a particular aim. We'll get to that later. But you could imagine like a bunch of first graders and you're trying to put them all together and you got the teachers around them and they're like, no, 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 go here, not there. Like, uh, like you know, that whole... Trying to keep them, everyone safe. Everybody safe. So this yeah. is what a Pharisee would do as he exposes the truth of the law. And they're, they're particularly motivated because their history was the very reason they're in captivity, the very reason why they're, they're not enjoying the freedom that they perhaps want is because of their rejection of the law and the rejection of what God has told them to do. So they transgressed the boundaries of where they were supposed to be within. And Paul is the guy prior to coming to Christ that he's like, no, this is the boundary. This is where we're supposed to be. And me, the way I live my life is in perfect harmony with all of the requirements of the law. And and yet now he's no longer set apart for for the law. He's no longer considering himself a Pharisee in that respect. He's set apart for something different. And this is where the shift really takes place. And this is a radical idea in that time. He's not set apart for the law. He's set apart for the gospel. Yeah, and it's the gospel. And the first one he introduces here, verse 2, which he promised, right? Set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised. Gospel being the good news, right? Mm-hmm. And this good news that later on we find out goes to all the nations. Mm-hmm. So while the Pharisees were concerned with their group, which was the nation of Israel, now Paul is saying, I'm set apart. And you can also, in this language of set apart, like him turning from the nation of Israel, turning around and looking at all the na- other nations. And he says, I've been freed from this so I can go to that. Mm-hmm. And so now he's supposed to go out and fulfill this promise that is the good news of Jesus the Christ, right? Yeah, and it's interesting. Language that he uses later in the chapter, it continues around this kind of like slave language. And mm-hmm. it's really hard for us to understand how slavery is good news. But mm-hmm. but one of the things that I, I really like is one of the words, one of the synonyms that's often used for, for salvation is redemption. Yeah. Um, and redemption has this, this picture in mind, redeeming. When, when you think of the that original word, you were telling me the word earlier. Yeah, Lutron. Lutron. I went to uh, high school with a guy named Lutron. Yeah. So shout out to Lutron. Hey, Lutron. If you're out there. Um, but the picture that you get with redemption is like these slaves at an auction mm-hmm. and someone comes by and purchases mm-hmm. a slave. And it's under this language that, that, that Paul's painting the picture of the cross mm-hmm. and Jesus and specifically his blood or his death is the sacrifice mm-hmm. or is the payment mm-hmm. 
to redeem you and I. Mm -hmm. And so when Paul's saying, I'm a slave, I've been redeemed, Mm -hmm. I'm saved by the blood of Christ, he's painting a very specific picture. Mm -hmm. It's from slavery to one thing to a different kind of slavery. Yeah, so you have, again, in Lutron, military language of prisoners of war, right? Mm -hmm. But the blood accomplishes this exchange that if you were to change the imagery ever so slightly, you're moved from one sort of slavery, and this is something he'll get at later, mm-hmm. that then you're transferred from slavery into sonship, mm. right? Mm-hmm. So you're redeemed from slavery into sonship. But that sonship is following the sonship that is the sonship of Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. Which coincidentally, Paul was really concerned with his performance in the flesh, like his performance in the body. Right. I keep these laws. I eat these things. I'm cut in a particular place on a particular <laughs> day. Don't cut too much. You don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> so, uh, right? I was going to share a story about a friend. That's not, right? No. And so, according to the flesh, he's like, I'm legit, right? But the promise, the sonship, and all of that isn't according to the flesh, and it's because of something that's really key about Jesus, mm-hmm. which is, tell them a little bit about the whole adoption and Joseph and Mary deal. Yeah, so, so one of the things that stood out is that he was descendant from David according to the flesh, which is a really peculiar thing, uh-huh. because if you, if you look at the genealogies, we know for a fact that Jesus comes from Mary, yeah. and that's the way that that works, but yeah. we also know that... My he, mama my mama gave me that lesson. She's like, let's talk about how this happens. <laughs> that's yeah. a very awkward lesson. Um, but he doesn't actually come from Joseph. And the text says that Joseph is a descendant of David, yeah. but we don't get any for sure sense that that's where Mary came from. Yeah, there's some quibble about that, whether or not Mary was actually part of the Davidic line, right? Yeah, and, and, and some people might say yes, some people might say no. And if she were, she's a woman. Right. So it doesn't even matter at that point because it's passed down through the men. But that's not the point. No. Tell them. Well, 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 the point is this, is that when Mary marries David, there's a certain like legal transaction yeah. that takes place. Mary is in a certain sense grafted into the family of Joseph, uh, therefore the family of David. And we see this many times in, in the genealogy. You, you see that that one prostitute who wasn't technically part of Israel, but gets grafted into Israel. Rahab. Rahab. Joshua. Joshua. Um, and in the very genealogy of Jesus, she's mentioned as one of these people that passes the line down. Yeah. And so we see like God isn't so much concerned about the biological sonship in order to pass on the line, but there's this certain legal transaction that takes place. And what I love is that then in another gospel, it's this idea of, in the genealogy, Mm -hmm. I think it's Luke, maybe Matthew, um, but that Jesus is the son of Joseph, or as it was supposed. Right. right? There's like this it was, like question. Like, oh, right. So that then even so, Jesus is somewhat adopted by Joseph. Mm-hmm. Right. So in the flesh, he's actually adopted. But then Paul goes on to say that verse four, and he was declared to be the son of God in power, according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So he's marrying this idea because Lord, slave, and then this idea of sonship where Jesus actually emerges as the son of God because of resurrection. So according to the flesh, it was supposed he was of Joseph. Yeah, there, there, there is room for doubt and questioning. We, we got to apply this to our lives because we got literally one minute, oh, seven seconds so left. Keep going. Apply it. So he, here's the point. There are times in my life where I might even question my sonship, mm. my acceptance by God. There's, there's room for like, oh, I don't know, mm-hmm. like my experience, my life lived doesn't quite match the text. Mm-hmm. But the good news is, is that even while there's that room for 
doubt, there's there's a rebirth process. There's something that takes place that gives me the reassurance. You would almost call it an exchange, a mm-hmm. redemption, a Lutron, mm-hmm. right? Shout out, Lutron. Hey, yo. So that you're actually removed from your old slavery to self-sin doubt, and you're transferred into this kingdom of spirit. But why? Because Jesus Christ is resurrected from the dead. And while in the flesh we might have doubted his lineage— According to the spirit, because of his resurrection, there can be no doubt that he is who he says he is through spirit. So that means that we are who he says we are. And this is the idea of obedience of faith. Yeah. We have received grace and apostleship, and now we have the obedience of faith. So I can only obey what the truth is in spirit, not the truth about my flesh. (laughs) We got there. Well, there you guys go. We hope you enjoyed that 10 minutes vibing in the book. There you go. We'll see you guys tomorrow. All right, ladies.